Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, summertime is a great time to make memories, isn't it? And I'm excited because this Tuesday, my oldest son, Brandon, is coming to visit us with his family. It's going to be the first time they've been back to Alaska in six years, post-COVID reunion. Amen? And uh, Brandon has told me several times, he said, Dad, the goal of this trip is to make family memories. Well, that's sort of like the book of Deuteronomy that we're in right now. We're looking at a series of Deuteronomy, and uh, the word means second law, which doesn't mean that it's an additional law to the Ten Commandments given in Exodus, but rather it's a reminder to the Israelites of the law once given. It's a, a recall, a restatement, or a reinforcement of what God has already said and all of the wonderful things that God has already done with this family called the Israelites. So the book of Deuteronomy is written at a time of history in the family of Israel when they were living on the edge of Canaan. And they were living on the edge of entering into God's promise he had given to them that one day they would, he would give them a land of rest, a land of abundance, And so the key to this new abundant land of rest, this promise of God of entering into this promise in Canaan, was remembering what God had already said, what God had already revealed to them, and what God had already promised, and all the evidences that God had already given to them that he's a good God with ample enough resources to help them get through every day. So Deuteronomy was written to help the Israelites preserve a form of family memory, collective memory, the family story written through the long journey of their walk that they had had through the wilderness with the Lord. But maybe we could say it more theologically correct or more precise perhaps that Deuteronomy was written to preserve God's story through this family of people called the Israelites. So this morning I want to look at this very important spiritual principle taught in the book of Deuteronomy where God tells Israel as they stand there on the edge of the promised land of Canaan to build sacred memory into their daily routines. So let's dive into this. I want to recognize first of all that keeping memory alive has major moral magnitudes. When God created us, he created us with a memory. I think that's really important that he put within our minds this program chip called the hippocampus, which is in the, you know, the, the front of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. There's a physical part of the way we're designed called a memory. And God put it there. It's like the librarian of the soul. It's amazing that God created this physical part of our brain with the ability to record history. And he gave us a brain with the wonderful gift of memory so that everything that ever happened to us lives inside of us. That means that God 
must have known something. He must have known that we need to store away information so that we can draw it out for future use. He knows that the history of the past is very important for our, us to have the capacity to make good decisions. God gave us the ability to remember because it has major moral ramifications. Have you ever seen, for example, a fly banging its head constantly against the windshield of your car or against a window? <laughs> like it can't remember, it didn't get out the first time, and over and over again, over and over again, that fly just keeps hitting its head against the window until it dies that way. A fly lacks memory. You don't want to be like the fly. <laughs> right? Imagine living like a fly. Have you ever... Now, it's not just a fly's problem, but it's our problem sometimes too, right? Have you ever hurt yourself doing something and you went right back doing the same thing the same way and you hurt yourself again and you ask yourself, how many times does it take me until I remember, right, until I get the point? Well, that's the gift, the gift of memory. We don't have time to talk about everything about a memory and bad memories and the healing of bad memories, but we're going to talk about how God created us with a memory and he said everything that he created is good and so there's a, a good thing, there's a, it's a gift that he's given us, this gift of memory. I remember uh, last summer slicing up cucumbers with a, an, a tool that Frankie has in the kitchen called a mandolin slicer. And we, I was just going away helping her make bread and butter pickles and I'm slicing away these cucumbers and I don't want to waste a little millimeter of those precious cucumbers that I grew in my garden. And uh, so I'm slicing away until one time, oh, I sliced the end of my finger. But I still, my number one priority was to get as much cucumber as I could get and not throw anything away. So I kept slicing. Frankie's warning me, don't, you know, you're going to slice the end of your finger. Be careful. We don't need that end of that cucumber. Just throw it away. Well, I kept slicing until I sliced it again and it drew blood slice the end of my finger off. Well, how many times does it take for us to get hurt until memory kicks in? Memory's a gift. It helps us re reason logically. It helps us make wise decisions. It gives us good sense. <laughs> if we don't utilize our memory, we don't have good sense, right? So think about this. If God made us this way, then memory, and God created us to be in, live in relationship with him, memory is a key part of our spirituality. In other words, if you and I are custom made by God to remember, that means then memory is an essential part of the way, the way our relationship with God is supposed to work, the way it works. And we're going to talk about that. Here this morning. The way our walk with God works has something to do with remembering. Our memory keeps us be, from being disoriented, from getting lost. Our memory gives us a, a reference point so that we can navigate correctly. Our memory retains knowledge from past experiences. Without a memory, we'll continue to exist in, in that blank inexperience of infancy. Without a memory, it would be impossible for us to reason logically. Without a memory, the conscience could never be trained 
to discern right from wrong, good from evil. Without a memory, we can't find our way home. That's called amnesia. Without a memory, we forget our purpose. We forget what road leads where. Without a memory, we don't know our name. Who, who am I if we can't remember? Without a memory, your toothbrush becomes mine. And my car tires become yours. <laughs> I see a lot of cars parked alongside the road that people just aren't remembering who owns that car. You know, those tires must be mine. That catalytic converter must be mine, you know. <laughs> and that's the problem of not remembering, right? Without a memory, invention goes backwards and insanity goes forwards. Without a memory, we have no moral compass. We will drive off the cliff. And there's a a way of thinking, a worldview today called progressive secularism that does not respect the need for memory, does not respect the need for history. Progressivism thinks that history gets in the way of the evolutionary process of, of, our, of us developing social and moral values and principles. And it raises a question, is truth, is our ability to discover right from wrong what truth is is truth just this evolution of a social experiment that we are human beings are engaged in or could it be that truth is a fixed set of coordinates that has already been given to us and revealed to us by an intelligent designer and Deuteronomy teaches us that good thinking is rooted in remembering what God has already revealed to us. Just as good navigation needs accurate GPS coordinates, just as a, a river without banks becomes a swamp, good decisions get disoriented when we untether our thinking from the truth that God has already revealed. So according to Deuteronomy, history is his story. History is God's story. History is a record of what God has said and what God has done. And it holds lessons for us that we need to respect and be grateful for because it helps us navigate through today, the circumstances of today, and into tomorrow. That's why the command remember is given so many times in Deuteronomy, 24 times exactly, and 234 times the word remember shows up in the entire Old and New Testaments. And that doesn't even include the phrase that happens over and over where it says, do not forget, do not forget. 30 times in Deuteronomy we find that phrase, do not forget. Now, the word remember is a verb. If you remember from elementary school, the verb is an action word, right? It means we do something. And in Hebrew, the word is zakar, which means more than just recalling something. According to the Old Testament word, it means returning back to something. It's not just recalling or remembering how to get home. It's going back home, right? And that's what in, embedded in the meaning of the word remember. And it, it's likewise the opposite. The antonym of remember is the word forget. And forget 
means forsake or to turn away or to leave God. Now, in, it's interesting, in Psalm 88, verse 12, there's a phrase called the land of forgetfulness. And in that context, in that sentence, it's referring to Sheol or hell or the place of the dead, the grave. That it's a place called, the psalmist called, the land of forgetfulness. Isn't that an interesting description of hell? That hell is a place where all forget and all are forgotten. In hell, people experience the full reality of what it means to forget God. No one will be able to recall or return to righteousness. That's what the verse says in Psalms. It says, speaking to God, says, can anyone in the land of forgetfulness ever talk about your righteousness? No, there will be no remembrance of the, of the beauty of right God's righteousness there there will be no sacred memory to talk about so in Deuteronomy at least six times there's a phrase that only shows up ever in the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy and it's the words lest you forget lest you forget so as they stand on the edge of a new beginning God says this is what is so important I don't want you to forget sacred memory that I've written in your family story. Look at these verses in Deuteronomy 4.23. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and, and make a carved image the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. Deuteronomy 6.12. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Remember that sacred memory of God delivering you. Don't forget that, because that will give you coordinates for navigating through the difficulties of the future. Deuteronomy 8.11, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. I raise honeybees, and last fall something happened to me that it never had happened before. I had six healthy hives, and uh, one day I went out as I was preparing them for the onset of winter, and uh, to my chagrin, I opened up the, the hives to the farthest right, and there were hardly any bees in there. There's like a cup full of bees. And normally there's like 60,000 bees in a healthy hive by the end of the summer, 60,000, 80,000 bees. And the queen was there. So I thought, well, the queen bee's there, so they haven't hived off because if they, when they swarm, uh, that means the original queen goes off with the swarm. But the original queen is there, so they didn't swarm. Well, what did they do? Where did they go? Martians, what happened? Where's my bees? Somebody came and stole my bees. And then as I worked my way down the hives, the same thing to the second hive, same thing to the third, and then the last two, they were plugged full of bees. I mean, there was no room for any other honeybees. So obviously, they drifted from one end to the other. So I thought, I've never seen this happen before. Why can't they remember where home is? You know, this is where you grew up. Why didn't you stay in your home? Why do you like that home down there? And so I got Googling it, and I found out that this is 
often a practice of young bees that are hatching out that we call winter bees. They're bees that hatch just before winter uh, that uh, are ready to go into the winter and they lose their orientation and they drift to the east. And it's particularly a problem if your hives are all lined up in the same way and mine were all lined up in the same way. And it's particularly a problem if they're all the same color and mine were all the same color. So I learned, uh, you know, I, I switched it up this year. I painted my hives different color and, and uh, put them, separated them. I tried to put a little identifier, a little Christmas tree I got from thrifters between the two. And, and uh, t- so they have something to identify. But I thought, I was thinking about this, what happened, about why the bees drifted. These young bees, their first orientation, their first flight out of the hive, they forgot how to find their way back home. Just before winter, just before lockdown, they lost their way. And I was thinking of this verse in Hebrews chapter 2 in the New Testament, where God says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. We need to discipline ourselves to remember things that God has already said stories that God has already written, sacred memory that he's already given to us and blessed us with, lest we drift. We as humans are capable of drifting away. And then he says, for if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast, how much more is God's word revealed to us in Jesus Christ? And how shall we escape the danger of drifting if we neglect so great of salvation. And so we have this problem as humans of forgetting. And God is reminding us to remember. And keeping memory alive has major moral magnitudes. And there's another important spiritual lesson taught in Deuteronomy about building sacred memory. And it's found in this verse in Deuteronomy 32, 7 that says, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. Deuteronomy, let's remember, was written to a family, a family called the family of Israel. And this verse tells us that there's a collective memory preserved in generations by fathers and by elders. That means fathers need to take it on as their special responsibility to build sacred memory in their family and to pass on sacred memory from generation to generation. When Frankie and I visited Prince Edward Island many years ago, we got a little cassette tape of the stories of PEI. And uh, the Scottish folk settled into Prince Edward Island, so it was a lot of Scottish humor, Scottish stories. And this guy was telling a story about how he was growing up and how the Scottish elders used to say to him, Laddie, you have a story to tell us today? You've got to have a story. Everybody's got a story. And the whole cassette was about these stories, stories to tell. And, and all of us have stories to tell as families. And God has written sacred memories in all of our family stories that are important to pass on, to build faith 
in our children. And so this verse says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations of God's faithfulness and what God has spoken and said and lessons he's taught you throughout your generations of your family. Ask your father and he will tell you, show you, and your elders and they will tell you. Eight generations of moose have visited my strawberry patch. Eight generations of moose. Every year, I forget to put up a fence, but they remember where the strawberries are. And every year, I think they'll forget. Hunters got them. Hunters killed out the family. There's going to be no memory left. It's my strawberry patch this year. But every year, they show up and eat our strawberries. You know, there's a principle in that, that they never forget the source of nutritional life. They never forget the taste of how good it was visiting that strawberry patch. See, that's the principle I want you to leave with today, and we'll talk about it in a moment. But the memory of the taste of God's goodness in the past is the enticement to come come back again and again, and again, every day to enjoy his splendor. So I want to make one point, though, about this verse here in Deuteronomy 32, 7, that God is writing a story of sacred memory in your family's life. I want you to think about that. It would be so much fun if we had time just to go around the room right now and share creative ideas of how we can preserve sacred memory in our families. I was talking to Pastor Paul Sliwa about that this week and and he told me of an idea that he and Emily implement in their home. He said they do something that they call when God does something really cool. And when God does something really cool in their family, they write it on a piece of paper and they put it in a vase. And they they store these pieces of paper in there till the end of the year and they'll pull them out and they'll have this moment of remembering and giving God thanks, giving God praise. And and Frankie and I do that as well in a a half-gallon glass jar and we'll put those memories in there. And it's amazing when we pull them out, like, I'd forgotten all about that. <laughs> forgotten all about that. And so it's really good to remind ourselves to have a, a, a way in which we are intentionally preserve sacred memory. By sacred memory, I mean, like Paul says, Paul says it really cool, right? When God does something really cool, that's, that's how we're defining sacred memory. When God does something really cool in your family's life, we need to Hold on to that. Remember that because it's a, a, a coordinate a, a, that God has given you so you can navigate your life the right way. For our family, we hope to make some sacred memories this summer when Brandon visits us to pass on with our grandchildren. And Brandon and my, uh, my daughter-in-law, Karen, <clears throat> ordered their passport several months ago. They live in Canada. He pastors a church there. But they haven't received their passports. And they're arriving in Anchorage Tuesday, July the 5th. I'm picking them up there, passports or no passports. 
their flights are scheduled to leave Toronto, Ontario, Tuesday morning, and they don't have passports. Well, we're chatting about that last Wednesday, and Brandon said, he said, Dad, the lineups at passport offices right now are insane. He says people are actually camping out at these passport offices overnight, hoping that they can get in and get their passport. He said, I don't want to camp out, so I contacted my MP. That's the member of parliament. It's like a state senator, congressman in Canada, the MP, the member of parliament. He said, I contacted their office, and I asked if they could intervene for us and perhaps get us an appointment with the passport office. Said, so we haven't heard from them. We're waiting on that, and we hope that they get back with us. And I'm thinking, oh, my. And he says would you pray with us that all of this works out? He says, I'm trying my best just to trust God to work it all out and trying not to stress about it. When I read that, that my son was trusting God to work an impossible situation out, I felt this rush of excitement come over me from the Holy Spirit. And I sensed that this situation was one of those moments in his family's life when God is setting up an opportunity to write a fresh chapter of sacred memory in our family's life. Amen? And, and especially to help my four grandchildren's faith grow and trust in the Lord. So I wrote him this encouragement as a text back to Brandon and Karen. I says, I love your spirit of trust and rest that you have in God. Continue to abide in him and he will be your peace. I am praying and believing God that he will use this experience as a story to add to our family's sacred memory. May every suitcase you pack be an act of faith in the loving care and mighty hand of God. God cares, God is good, he is trustworthy all the time, and your children will remember this and become grounded in their faith as they watch God at work. And they will know that God's promise is real. Call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me the glory. Psalm 50, verse 15. Sacred stories are meant to endure. God sets them up in our life. God gives them to us, experiences, to remember how faithful he is. And we are to pass them on from generation to generation to generation. And particularly, I think it's the Father's role to do this. Psalm 145.4 talks about this. He says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on what? On your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will pro proclaim your greatness Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Remember the other psalm said that hell is a land of forgetfulness where they will not have anything to say or remember about your righteousness. Passing on our faith begins in the family home. And it begins with 
spiritual routines. <clears throat> Every day of your life is an opportunity to write a piece of a paragraph in God's eternal story of sacred memory. Every situation that happens, every situation is an opportunity for you to build faith. You can choose which way you will approach them. And it will, has an opportunity to build faith in the heart of your children. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Children, read what you write, distorted or true. What is the gospel according to you? Every day this summer, then, is an opportunity for your family to build sacred memories. And the, the, the last thing I want to bring out is, is really what is on my heart for you to take away today. And that is that God knowing us, God created us, God designing us, knows what we need. And according to Deuteronomy, he knows that we need routines to help us remember. Over and over, Deuteronomy refers to these specific routines that he gave to Israel. He told them to erect 12 stones. He gave them the Sabbath day to remember. He gave them 12 feast to remember, special days to remember. He gave them instructions and designs for this tent of worship. Over and over, God gives them routines for rhythms of remembering, rhythms of worship in their walk with the Lord, which means God knows something about us. He knows that we need to build some pattern into our life to help us remember. And one of those routines that God specifically gave Israel was the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. See, that's sacred memory of the miracle working of God in their family life. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to set apart one day to remember, to observe the Sabbath day. And maybe the most famous verses out of Deuteronomy is called the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 9. And it gives specific ways to help Israel keep their love for God alive. It begins by talking, telling Israel to listen. And it says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's called the Shema, the Shema prayer. It's a prayer that for every Orthodox Jew, it's the last words they say at the end of the day and the first words they say at the beginning of every day. And I want to draw your attention to something very interesting in those verses. Of course, it begins by God saying, I want you to keep your love for me alive. I want you to love me with all your heart, with everything you have. I want you to love me. That's, that's what God wants. He wants us to be in relationship with him. Well, how then do we keep our love for God alive? 
That's the $1,000 question. We start out well. We start out as a Christian. How do we every day keep our love for God alive? Well, just look at the verbs in this Shema. He says, repeat them again and again. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road doing the commute into Anchorage. (laughs) Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. What does all of this mean? All of these verbs are talking about a routine, a routine of remembrance that we need to develop these sacred rhythms or habits or patterns of remembering in our family life in order to keep the love of God alive. They tell us that if we are to love God with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all that we are, then we must build this routine that is intentionally designed to deepen that love and to keep it alive. That means it's imperative to build this routine into your family life to keep your relationship with God ongoing from generation to generation. And I specifically want to zoom on something that's really interesting. It just gets me all curious in this prayer. That the Shema specifically says something that must be tied or worn on their garments as a reminder. It's called the zitzit or the zitzis. Uh, and they're to tie them to their hands and wear them on their forehead as reminders. And this verse is also given in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 12, where it says, make tassels on the four corners of the cloak that you wear. Tassels is the word zitzit, same as what's referred to in the Shema, of how you are to remember. So, One of the specific ways or routines that God gave Israel for remembering was not just the Sabbath, not just the feast, not by just these sacred stones that they were to put up, but also to wear these tassels on the fringes of their garment. And it's really interesting that these were like hanging pendants, the tide. We see them today, the Jewish folk have these prayer shawls and they're tied on their prayer shawls. Uh, The blue tassels were supposed to be visual reminders that they were to live every day in relationship with the Lord, that that they were responsible to God because he had chosen and called them out to live a life in covenant with him. So they were to jog their memory. And what does all of this mean, though? Well, to understand the command in Deuteronomy that they're to tie blue tassels to the corners of the robe, you have to go back to the story in Numbers. Remember, Deuteronomy is second law, which means a recall or a reminder, refreshing of what God has already said and revealed to them. And in, in the previous book of Numbers, the story happened, the situation happened in, the, in their family. In the family life of Israel, one day a man went out and on the Sabbath day, he picked up sticks. And he wasn't supposed to do that because the Sabbath day was supposed to be holy. He wasn't supposed to work, do any work at all. It was a day devoted to remembering and worshiping the Lord. And so he was prosecuted for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And God felt bad about it. So God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you fa- your family something to do so that 
it, another thing that will help you remember so that you get it. <laughs> Memory is important. So he said, I'm going to institute this new uh, routine for you to tie blue tassels to the corners of your robe. And that's where this instruction came from. And God says, you will have these tassels to look at so that you will remember all the commands of God. Well, I ask myself, then why the color blue? I mean, God never does anything by accident, right? God does everything by intention. Why the color blue? Well, the color blue represents heaven. It's the color of heaven. Well, then why four? Why four tassels? Well, four is a symbolic number representing the four corners of the earth. And it represents that everywhere you go, your lifestyle should be one of remembering the God of heaven. And Numbers 1540 says, Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. So the purpose of these four blue tassels in the book of Deuteronomy was to bring God's people into a life that was totally immersed, focused on, absorbed with, devoted to, set apart to the God who had given them so much grace. So remembering, there's a reason why we should remember. It's remembering, it keeps us longing, not forgetting, but longing for God's deliverance today as he gave yesterday. It's longing for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. In early springtime here in Alaska, even though there may be three feet of snow outside, my honeybees will begin to fly out of the hive on a sunny day. They see the sun and they're tired of six months of winter and they want to get out. There may be no blossoms yet. There's nothing growing yet. The willows aren't even hardly swelling yet. There's three feet of snow and I can tell them, stay in the hive, but they want to come out. And an interesting phenomena happens when they come out because bees navigate by the blue sky. And so when they come out, they see the blue snow. And I can, you can stand there at the hive and you watch them. Oh, it's so good to be out of this smelly old stinky hive where I've been for six months. Let's go have some fun. And out they come and they see the blue snow where they go. They think they're flying into the sky. They get disoriented and they, they go right head first into the snow and they die. And so there'll be dead bees every day when I go home in front of the, uh, in front of the hive. And I just hope, well, there's enough of them that's going to survive by the time the snow melts that I'm able to overwinter my hive successfully. But it's interesting, just as the bees need the blue sky to be distinct from the dark earth in order to navigate successfully, so do we need a way to remember that earth is not heaven. We get disoriented when we take our eyes off of heaven and set our affection on things on earth. The kingdom of heaven must come to earth. The kingdom of heaven is coming down here, not vice versa. The children of God should never confuse heaven with earth or else we get disoriented. Earth is not heaven. We are people who belong to heaven. As C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So I want to say this as we close. Practices of devotional life 
rhythms, routines of remembering that you inculcate into the pattern of your life. They're not necessarily legalism. It's like breathing in the blue air of heaven. You need it to live. Breathing in the blue air of heaven is like oxygen to our spiritual life. We need routines, the Bible says. God created us with a memory. He told Israel, keep the love of God alive. How do they do it? By developing routines of remembering. And this means practices of devotional routine, prayer, Bible study, attending church, all of those things are not acts of legalism necessarily. They can be if you're doing it to try and gain merit with God, gain favor with God, gain brownie points with God. That's settled by Jesus on the cross. The relationship between you and God has been settled. But every day God is inviting you into his plentitude of grace and they are vital sources of spiritual life and you need to remember that you and I need time with the Lord Jude one twenty one has an interesting verse I've pondered so many times where Jude says keep yourself in the love of God well, we know that doesn't mean that we need to do things to keep God loving us. God loves us w without um, us being capable of doing anything to gain and earn his love, right? God loves us regardless of our unlovingness. But what does Jude mean then? Keep yourselves in the love of God. It means we need to do things to stay in the presence of God's love. God settles the question of relationship. We are responsible for fellowship with God. I like what 1 Peter 2 says. <clears throat> Use the example of newborn babes. He says, just like newborn babies, I want you to crave or desire the spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So we need this routine Every mother knows that newborn babes have a routine, right? <laughs> they won't let you forget about it. Peter says we need to build that same kind of routine into our life, but notice the perspective. He says, because you have tasted something. That's memory. You have tasted that the Lord is good. Just like the moose in my strawberry patch. Remember that story. They tasted something. They knew how good it was, and so they came back for more. And that's how we live our Christian life. The routine is not required for the relationship, but it's an appetite to taste again. We can't live without the Lord. And it's the memory of how good it was the last time that calls us to come again this time. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So God gave us the Holy Spirit, who is the experiential side of God. It helps us experience and know God. He is the one who brings us into this day-by-day, moment-by-moment experience of knowing God. So I want to leave you with this thought 
the takeaway that your spiritual life with God works by memory. It works by tasting. It works by remembering how good that strawberry patch was in the past. For me, spending time with Frankie is not legalism. It's love. Every memory I have after, what is it, 45 years or... It will be for 45 years of, of sacred memory with my bride only does one thing, and that is entices me to keep coming home every day for more. Amen? It's not obligation. It's delight. So the secret of spiritual practices, the secret of your devotional life is this sacred memory of remembering what God did last time what God did yesterday. It's remembering how good it is to be in God's presence. Jesus left us with a memorial for us to practice. The last day that he was with his disciples before he went to the cross, there's a a moment which we now call the Last Supper where it says that on that day he took bread and he took a cup And he told his disciples to eat that and bread and drink that cup in remembrance of him. He said, do this so that you remember me. As we were singing that first worship song earlier, I forget, was out of the grave, I'll come running. Yeah, I was thinking about that. That's, That's our spiritual life. You remember when Jesus delivered you from your sins? You remember when Jesus delivered you, forgave you of all of your sins? What a day that, what a glorious day that was, right? You came out of the grave. You remember how how it felt when he set you free? Well, you can enjoy coming to him every day. The door's not closed now. Well, you came once. You can only come once. That's it. Sorry. You know, I've got a lot of people. No, every day we're invited to come into the presence of Jesus who delivers us who reminds us of his love. We need to be reminded of God's love every day. And that invitation is open to us. So I want to invite you now to God's table. And let this be a way of letting the Holy Spirit use this routine of remembering we call the Lord's Supper to remind you of something that is so important that we should never forget. Let's stand together. Lord, we just want to bless this moment, ask you to bless it, Lord, with your presence. Holy Spirit, we do ask you that right now you will come. Come and remind us. Remind us of what you've done for us. Lord, I'm thinking there may be one here this morning who doesn't know what to do with their sin. They don't know what to do with all that's going on in their life. Remind them, God, that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We need that reminder this morning, Lord, because the enemy wants to whip us. The enemy wants us to forget. But in this moment, Lord Jesus, we come to your table as you've invited us to do. We come to remember how much we're loved. Remind us of how deep your grace has gone. 
that your grace covers every single stain of sin. Let this be a moment of great grace to fall upon us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.